Hello and welcome to episode three of what's now become Loving Your Garden, gardening podcast. Although we loved the name Dibber and Trug, we realised we'd actually missed a trick by not sticking with the brand of our Facebook group, Loving Your Garden. So apologies for any confusion, but everything evolves. And please do follow and subscribe. And thanks for subscribing so far for all the members we have. And do please also get in touch with any questions you'd like answered as well so that we can work on that for, for the next episode. We've got access to loads of very knowledgeable gardeners who can provide the answer you seek. Incidentally, do check out our Facebook group. I started it a year ago and we've quickly moved up to 2,000 members, all linked by a common passion, that's gardening. Uh, You'll find a friendly community on loving your garden, generous with advice and inspiration. Take a look and join us. Right, in a moment, I'll introduce this week's guest, garden designer Nikki Applewhite. But first, let's uh, join my partner in crime, Richard Chuck. So Richard, what have you been up to this week? This week, I've yesterday... I was taking out, I've got a little hazel, contorted one, twisted hazel. It's it's probably got to its size now. And I've lifted its skirt. Now, underneath there was growing snowdrops and somewhere else. But what I'd been doing in the year was putting norse manure and all sorts around this because I had every intention of putting brunera in there, which is a sort of what plant that I love it. And then these blooming snowdrops came up and these other bulbs and spoiled it and it, and it was like regimented underneath the tree the previous owner had planted them but I'd covered it six inches and these snowdrops had pushed the way through Rod you won't believe it all the way through so yesterday I spent uh, I spent a bit of time taking those out um, the snowdrops lifting them because they didn't want them there but on the good side and they are going up to Yorkshire at some point these snowdrops and um, I put them in a big pot ready and then when all this lockdowns over then they can they can take a little journey up there and i've got thousands of snowdrops rod so i've got absolutely no problem so that's really what i'm doing and just trying to jiggle things around at the minute because everything's away and it's up and away and i've had well, to remove about a million allium bulb uh, seedlings oh, you know allums yeah say so just salt seed everywhere so I've, yeah. I've managed to take out about 500 of them and give them to a friend as well well, you can hear Nikki Applewhite there uh, chewing the cut in the background, but more from Nikki in a moment. I just wanted to tell you about my, um, well, I'd say mini disaster. Um, we, you know, we were talking about getting the lawn ready and prepping it ready for the summer. So I got the scarifier out. I thought, yeah, Richard will be really pleased with me. I'm going to give it a second go. As I did it in the autumn, I always do it in the autumn. I'll have another go. And it de- desperately needed it. You were absolutely right. You know, it definitely, definitely needed another go. And uh, I got uh, about two thirds of the way through and then heard this almighty bang. Um, oh. the, the band around the, the machine has snapped. I that side. Well, I had to take the cover off and have a look inside and I could see this band snap. So I've had to order, order a new part. So, of course, it always happens before you manage to finish the job. You know, I wouldn't have minded if, I'd, you know, but anyway, that's so that's the scarifying isn't finished. So that's sort of holding everything else up. Let's talk about design because, uh, well, Richard, you you are in the process of designing your own gun, Grassy Bottom. What have been your biggest headaches when, when you started, Richard? It depends how you look at it, because it's it's down to soil as well. Now, from Foldingworth, where we came on, from Alton Moor, where I was there, which was the best soil going, this is chalk, um, and it's chalk over about a foot. Oh, that's hard work. Oh, it's it's terrible, Nicky, I can tell you, because yeah. every single plant I'm putting in, and this happened to me at Caister when I lived there as well, because I lived on the side yeah. of the hill and found yeah. out I was living not far from a test pit of a, of a um, chalk quarry. 
absolutely solid chalk. And I've kind of come to the same on here, but, but it, I, when I dig something, if I dig down uh, and I hear a clonk, I want to know what that is and I want to dig it out. Yeah. I've got a, a little yeah. rat. Well, it's not a rabbit in the spade. It's like, I can't remember what they call it, but I call him Arnie. When he's involved, it's terminal. It's this spade. And when he gets in there, it's really heavy and I can poke anything. <laughs> like, and a trench, anything in. like a trenching spade. It's not actually a trenching spade. I did. I was told what it was called, the proper name of it. I call him Arnie. I have done for the last, since 2000. It's a good name, Richard. It's a good name. I have the same spade. It, it's called the Terminator. Have you? Well, yeah. I've got a nephew who I was teaching a bit of gardening and he had one, he bought one because he was quite impressed with it and he called his Claude. Uh, Claude Van Damme. For yeah. a bit, you know. I'm going to have to come up with a name for mine then, because uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, I've lacked imagination here. I'll just call it. Yes. A All right. Well, look, um, Nikki, let's just talk about the sort of really common issues that when you go and see a client, the, the, the sort of things that you're looking for. Uh, to, to be quite honest, the most important thing, uh, and I know this perhaps doesn't quite answer your, your question as you would, is getting to know my client because this isn't going to be my garden, it's going to be their garden. And you've no idea that how many people, they don't know what they want. So I had, uh, I try and use Pinterest quite a bit and some clients use it. And this lady said to me, she said, I, I, I just, um, I want curves. I really want curves. I want it to be informal. Um, and she, she went into great detail of how she'd like it. And I said, okay, fantastic. Can you do me a Pinterest board and I'll have a look at it. So I look through these photographs. There's not a single curve in any of the photographs she's pinned. They're all formal. There's all box balls, totally, totally formal. So I go back to her and I say, you've no curves here. Oh, I don't think I like them, really. So I think you really have to get to know them. If, as soon as I, if I take somebody on board, I get them to come here and look around the garden so you can have a chat, cup of tea, because that's the most important thing. Find out what they would like and then go to the garden and have a look round. Well, it's funny because I, I did employ a, uh, a garden designer for, um, uh, and people laughed when, when they knew what the garden was because it was absolutely tiny, but it was so small that I, I, it was just beyond me. I just thought, well, I have no idea what to do with this space. Uh, and so I got um, Penny Meadmore to, to come and have a look at it. And, uh, yeah. And she did a fantastic job and she did exactly the same thing. You know, she, she looked at the, the sort of plants we liked, the colours we liked, and then just went away and did the design. And, uh, and you know, I think just it ran it by us and, it, and expected us to say, actually, we love it. And, and that's exactly what we did do. But those curves you talked about, I mean, that was the main feature because it was such a small space was to try and make it look interesting rather than just a courtyard. And uh, she did an amazing job. A small garden is by far the most difficult. I mean, quite a few years ago now, I worked at Bieber Castle and everyone said, God, isn't that just daunting and terrifying? Um, it was to start with, but you've actually got a huge area and it doesn't matter if you make a few mistakes and your main thing is huge vistas. But if you have a small garden, as you say, you, you have to take into consideration privacy. You have to take into consideration children, dogs, but it has to look interesting. And also you have to make it look bigger than it is. Yeah. Which, you know, which is key. Yeah. Which you obviously did. Okay, let's get to my original question then again. I mean, what are the key challenges for you for, in terms of, of the design itself? 
Uh, which way it's facing is really important because that dictates what plants you have. So if it's facing, everybody worries about having a north facing garden because they think, oh, you know, we can't have very much. You can have wonderful things if it's north facing. So that's a key element. You have to obviously look at the soil, see what it's like, what plants will, will suit it. Also, how much work they're prepared to put in, whether they have a gardener, whether they're just going to do it themselves. But I think the most important thing, as we talked about the other day, is having your skeleton of evergreens because that's what you look at all year round and that's your main structure so depending i mean it must be interesting richard having a garden that wraps all the way around your house because that's quite challenging yeah it is it's going to be a real challenge because i'm i'm dealing with um, dealing with things that people put in before me some things i like some things i don't there's a skinny little border where the car comes down the drive and there's so many plants in there i've already taken out and passed on to other people and so many more that are coming up right now that I didn't see last year because I didn't get in here till sort of June of last year. So yeah. some of these plants are now making themselves apparent. And some, as, as Rob knows, I don't like blousy flowers. So there's some peonies coming up, which I can't stand, to be honest. They've got no place in my garden because I like a certain way and they have got no place. So I'm starting to dig them out and they will be passed on as well. And, and it's difficult, but I'm trying to deal with area after area. And I'm quite fortunate because I've got all the aspects really going on. But a lot of work in the meantime to do it all. I just want to get uh, certain bits done. I'm working on an area that I call the shack at the moment. And it is, I'm building this shack. It's a shed really, somewhere out. Do you have in your head an overall plan of what you'd like to do? Do you have a borrowed landscape that you can look onto and that sort of stuff? Well, I don't because to the left as I'm sitting now, there's a, there's a primary school in front of uh me. There's, there's another bungalow and several other things. And then as it peters away into the village, um, there's some new houses to the left. and then But beyond that is the church spire, which is brilliant. So that's um, your borrowed landscape? It kind of is, but I've, I've put in to see if I can have all these houses removed in front of the spire <laughs> so I get the best view. Because <laughs> it's spoiling my view. It really is. But in winter... It's brilliant looking over to the school because the yeah. wolds are rolling away from me. But oh, in lovely. summer, I lose it all. I actually lose yeah. a lot because all the leaves come on all the trees at the school. So going back to what you said, Rod, it's it, you've got two two elements there that you can use the church. So you want to see that, but of course in the summer the whole thing changes. If you're doing interior design, it's great because you can just do everything and it's static. But of course in a garden, you've four seasons to take into consideration. So I think the borrowed landscapes are, are very much a key, a key thing. And also how much privacy people want. If you're in town, you know, 10 to 1, you're overlooked from three angles. But so you can't build up great big screens without making it really dark. So then you're looking at putting focal points in. So I think that goes with the structure of the evergreens and height. Okay, so borrowed landscape is is a key one. Um, you said something really good to me when I did the Boom Radio piece, uh, which was that uh, you you need a G and T place. You do. It's really really important. I mean, that whether you have a family, even more if you have a family, that seven o'clock time. You know, most of us have come home from work. Hopefully, the children are in bed. Hopefully, the dog's fed and it's quiet. That's your time, yours and either on your own or if you're lucky and if you're with a partner, with your partner. But that, you know, if you can have a view, you can have the setting sun. And also more and more now so that we use it more is to have warmth because there's loads of outside heaters now and fire pits. So if you can bring all of that together, it, it really is making your garden another room 
whole point is to have another room outside and make your make your house bigger. I mean, we need to be able to use our gardens, I think, for nine months of a year, not, not just five or six. And, and it is definitely getting warmer. I'm sorry, this global warming is, is, is making a big, big difference. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, uh, gardeners tend to notice these things probably more uh, than than most. But uh, you, so you, I mean, it's just the changeable weather that that that's so obvious over the last few years, so unpredictable now. It is. It's much more extreme. But I used to finish planting in October. I'm now. I now finish planting in December. I've been yeah. planting up to the day before Christmas. Yeah. I planted, I don't know, about 500 trees last autumn. And you think, I would never have done that 10 years ago. It would have been frozen. And uh, August bank holiday last year, do you remember? It was almost a frost. In fact, it might even have been. Yes. Frost. Unbelievable. Yes, I was cursing. Um, <laughs> in fact, somebody put it to me. It was a window cleaner, actually, who, who made me sit up and think about this. And this would have been 20 years ago. He said, um, I, I am definitely noticing a, a change in the climate, he said, yeah. and it's the wind. He said, it's so much more windy now up ladders uh, than it ever used to be. Uh, uh, you, you know, yes, that's so true. I mean, if I go up pruning, I, I won't do it so much now. But once you start, even if you go up to the top of a ladder, just a small ladder, you just notice it. Yeah. It really isn't. You know, I have to, a couple of huge rose arches that I prune. And my God, I'm, I'm always hanging on with one hand now. And when it rains, God, it rains now. Yeah, rains. you'll get steroids quite frequently now. Yeah, yes. And, and it goes down your back and all the way down. And it's not very pleasant. <laughs> I suppose one of the problems, the occupational hazards of being a garden designer is you're out there a lot. So it must make you think about your wardrobe a lot. Oh, hugely, yes. I, that's why my excuse for looking a mess most of the time. It's excellent. But I joking apart, I think the biggest problem, if I'm going to do a survey, it'll rain. So you always have to have a, a piece of paper and a pencil. I do actually have buy waterproof paper because I can guarantee it's going to rain. And you start writing all your survey things down. It just runs everywhere. And also it'll also rain when I'm planting. So I have my beautiful planting plan all printed out. And within about three minutes, it's just all one color. So I now have to laminate. That was one of the best things I ever bought for the office was my laminator. Yeah, I think the best place to go shopping for um, for gardening gear now is these mountaineering shops. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> all definitely. the gear that they do is, is, is perfect for gardening. My <laughs> lovely partner, Martin, for my 50th birthday, and I was very excited for this, bought me some waterproof trousers. And I thought, you miserable bleep. But actually, they were the best things he's ever bought me. Yeah, so you can see the trousers you can buy now um, oh, that, that, that are completely waterproof, yeah. completely stretchy. They're armoured yeah. uh, and they've got padding so that if you're kneeling, yeah. I mean, they're, they're absolutely amazing. No, they are good because I remember when I first started out, I don't know, about 20, 20 years ago. God, I used to get home absolutely soaked. My, I remember my fingers were just wrinkly. <laughs> but, you know it was just yeah no the clothing is much better now but going back that climate change is making a big difference and but i do think it's giving us a longer growing season yeah which you well, quite i think for us i mean obviously in some countries it's uh it, it's bad news very bad news yeah. but uh it, yeah 
it's you know it's ex- extra warm seasons for us and yeah i've just invested in an awning which i never ever yeah. thought i yeah. would bother with but because we spend so much time out on the balcony i just thought yeah let's put another couple of months on you know, on the season i uh, think going back to the design i am putting more and more in more m- more people would like pergolas so they have shade a garden i another garden i'm just doing at lincoln Interestingly, she likes the shade. She's fair skinned. Her husband loves to sit in the sun. So, and there are far more awnings to choose from now. There's some good aluminium ones as well as the wood. Yeah. But more and more people want shade now. Yeah. Well, okay. So um, let's talk about some of the the mistakes now. And I mean, Richard, join in on some of these. Um, I'm going to hold my hand up to to one very common mistake. I've got too many plants, too many different plants, too many individual plants. Yeah. And it's unfortunately uh, it's a bit of a mishmash. And I'm now finding myself ripping plants out yeah. that I planted five years ago. And it grieves me to do it, but it's it's necessary. I think it, it is probably the most common mistake. And I, you know, as my, I've been doing this for so long and I'll still go to a garden centre and I think, oh, oh, that looks quite nice. Oh, But instead of just buying one, I'll, but I will buy three. But when I first came here, I've been here five years now. I st- and I was so desperate to stuff it. And I was like a kid in a sweet shop with all these plants. And I did buy far too many and I should know better. So, I, you're, you're, you know, I think everybody's guilty of it. But I think as you learn... You learn to keep the ones that are that are that, that do better to start with, and also to try and tone it a bit, rather than have orange and pink and blue and yet have have tones of colours and combinations of colour. Blues and yellows look fantastic. Pinks, reds, purples look fantastic. You know, either do opposite colour wheel or adjacent, but try and try and keep your tones similar because it makes your garden look bigger, more cohesive, and more designed. And it's more pleasing to the eye. When you get into the garden, you feel more restful. If you've too many things looking at you, your eye doesn't know where to go and you're a bit of a rabbit in headlights, really. But you, yeah, you, everyone big, does it, Rod. It's one of the big the big problems that I've found with people is they, they do, like, I've done it as well in the past. You go into the garden centre, you're seduced by a plant you like at the time, yeah. when really what they should be doing is going out there, finding a load of hardy geraniums, and yeah. buying 10 or 20 of them and get that planting going. Think, think, in, it's all, it's what I always try and recommend to them is think in big swathes, big clumps yeah. of things. Don't mess about with small things because you'll just lose them eventually. And if you, and you've got to kind of have this coherent garden, like you say, but you've got to kind of, some people want, oh, like I like prairie planting, but it's not what all what I do. You know, I've got shrubs, trees and everything going on in here. I've planted, I think, eight, nine trees since I got here. It's already had about five. Um, it's not a problem for me, but I know which ones I'm going to grow and which ones will work with what I'm doing. But people just, they, they jumble it all up and it's it's just, all it is, is it's a, it's a learning process and they're not experienced enough to know. And they're seduced by a, a blousy plant that they want to put in the garden and actually, <laughs> I, I look at them and I want to rip them up and throw them out and say, look, you don't need that, that's rubbish. One good tip is to go into the garden centre every month of the year if you want to get a Absolutely. flower. Yeah, and that is a brilliant tip, but it, it will not teach you how to design them because, no. unfortunately, garden centres will introduce new plants that are just not going to yeah. be right together. You need plant combinations, plant associations. Yeah. You need you need this sort of thing going on. That's what designers are good at, like yourself. One of the best things for for amateurs like me to really learn about this is to visit, you know, big gardens. Yeah, it is somewhere like Barnsdale. Uh, funny enough, Absolutely. I, was, I was talking to Nick Hamilton today, and 
you know, 38 gardens he's got there. Uh, all mm. Because you know, obviously his, his dad um, used the used the place as a film set, but go and see how the professionals do it, and you've got you yes. know you can walk around at your leisure all day with your notepad, and and yeah. if you don't get inspiration from that, where will you get it? And I mm. think things that you know, like we're doing this podcast, I think it's so important to educate and help people because, as you said, you're seduced by plants. I, I love that word, seduced. That I will remember that. But I think if you go to see somebody, explain it likes this, it likes this, and all you have to do is cut that. As a, if we finish a design, most people will ask us for a maintenance plan, and I will write down what you do. I will try and limit the planting plan to certain plants that have the same maintenance all year round. And if you can keep that simple, then you give people confidence, and then you en- enhance their excitement. I, I, I love that people get excited and it really upsets me when it goes wrong and they blame themselves. If we can put it on Facebook and people can ask questions, it's, it's when you have the knowledge, so easy to just answer the questions. If you don't have it, you just get nervous and think, oh, well, I won't bother. I'll just have another gin. <laughs> Is that your answer to it all, Nicky? Oh, oh, yes. All right, let's move on to features because these are the things that set gardens apart aren't they these are the things that really stand out and uh, Richard actually introduced me to this uh, in in quite a big way um we went to the NEC show didn't we a couple of years ago Richard and we were talking about about using containers but but using something that's unusual for a container yeah. we've all seen the bikes you know that's become a bit of a cliche now the the, the old bicycle with the you know the yeah the basket front. But, but but people are coming up with ever more creative ways. Um, I don't know when mine's going to work, but I've just taken an old swing, which has had seen better days. What I've done is I've put a camellia on the, on the bench. I'm growing uh, some lonicera up the back and I've got a couple of clematis up the front. And uh, eventually I'll get lights across the top and some hanging plants as well. And, and hopefully that's going to become a feature. But I mean, that's the sort of thing that, that can set a garden apart. And then, and then of course, there's water as well. You're wasted on the radio. I can see you should be out in the garden. Yeah, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really good to do something like that. I think you have to be very careful to not let it stand alone. I think you need to somehow connect it to the rest of your garden, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Then you- then you get uh, then you get flow through a garden because you can if you're not careful you can have a feature and it just it just glares at you and then takes over from the rest of the garden if you can have a pathway there or if you can have similar planting not far away from it and also on the other side then you're making it part of the garden. Yes, good advice. Right. I mean, a statue or something like that's different because you want it to stand out, but it still would be within the garden. It all has to flow. Yeah, I, I like you say about tying things together. To people at the moment, parts of my garden won't make sense because they're not in my head. They don't know what I'm doing. But I've got yeah. a path, a secret path that's going to take you around one way to it. And then another way, I've got little, you know, at the minute there's just little posts up where I want to make people deliberately by printing yeah. posts next to each other. It makes them want to walk through it. And that's what I want. I'm, and it's about a journey through the garden. Yeah. And if, you, if yeah. you can't create that journey, it doesn't make sense. It's not coherent. And yeah. you, can't, yeah. you can't find your way around the garden, if that makes sense, as well. The people get lost and think, well, what's this? What's that? A million great ideas, but you've got to make them all work together. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm aiming to do here. So I've got, I've got two sheep feeders. You know the cow feeders, you see? Yes. In fields. 
I've got two of them in my garden, brand new at the moment, still a bit shiny. And I'm growing, I've got a Eupatorium growing in one of them. It's, it's fantastic, this one. And um, it is skinny. I like, I tend to like skinny tall plants. And this fitted the bill and I, I almost got rid of it. I almost sold it on a, when I had my garden open many years ago. And at the last second, I thought that one's standing out a mile from all its, the other ones have grown from seed. So I whipped it out. And over the years, it's done really well. But again, big swathes of this. This is what people don't get into. Like, Eupatorium's brilliant. And, and it's a big plant. And they'll think, oh, just one. Yeah, yeah. But actually, if you put that in two or three times throughout the garden, oh, it'll link. Yeah, it links the garden just as much as, a, as all my telegraph poles. But you don't want it to seem stupid. You don't want to get excited going to garden centres and buy back these blousy plants. You want to make it work as a journey. Um, and, and yes, I know you, you need to put plants where they belong, right, pli um, right place, right plant. And I know that theory. And it does work. But I always you know, suggest to people or encourage them, give it a try because it, it probably will do better than you, you realise in that position. No, I think, I, I think there's great credibility in that do try because sometimes i have a plant i'm sure you both know the plant geranium roseanne it's it's a really good yeah. one and it won chelsea loads 10 about 10 or 15 years ago and it yeah. grows quite big in in the back garden that i have that's sheltered in the front I, i'm so exposed to the wind and i put it mm. out there thinking it won't grow at all and it's wonderful it creeps along the ground it's a totally yeah, different bought, habit i've just and bought three of them oh there's so, it's a very good plant, a very good plant, yeah. really good value. But it is interesting, a plant will adapt. But I think yeah. when you get water thirsty ones, you have to intervene. I think going back to what you were saying, Rod, keeping it on the design side, just, just as Rich is saying, if somebody wants something like a jungle garden, you must help them. Uh, it sounds so patronizing to educate them, but you must explain absolutely everything. And I think if people explain, and have it written down that they just then love it and if they follow those those instructions they get the garden of their dream it's why they're employing you isn't it it's for, for your yeah. expertise and your knowledge and your experience right well the last one is water features do you do much of that yeah more and more because of course so much is now available you can have these water walls of water cascading down the wall and i think the one that excites me the most at the moment are reflecting ponds if the, the biggest problem with water is looking after it, you know, they can go stagnant and they go green and you get duckweed, you get every type of weed. If you have, if you don't have a very big space, you can have a, a really small area and it doesn't have to be very deep, but you can get water dyes. And the reason you get all of the weeds is because of the, of the sunshine onto the water. That's what helps grow the, grow the weeds. If you put this dye in, then you get no weeds and you get, get a completely black area of water. And of course the reflection on the sky when the sun's out, you just suddenly get the sky in the middle of your garden and they look fantastic. You don't have to have a particularly big area, it takes no maintenance. It's shallow so children don't fall in it. And you're still helping the wild, it's not poisonous to the wildlife, you're still helping the wildlife, but it can brings different dimension to the garden. Can you have fish in it? No. No. Well, <laughs> it's too shallow, it's too shallow for fish. Fish are hard work, Ron. Yeah, they are. <laughs> you're right. And uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I had a happy experience with my fish for about five years. And then the heron gobbled most of them up. Uh, and yeah. so now, of course, I've got a net over the pond to protect the others. Yeah. Uh, and it just looks hideous. You know, it's not what I want at all. But... It's a bit difficult. You know, you've got, you've got to know what you're talking about with yeah. keeping fish in the right conditions. And uh, Rob asked about about that dye, and I would have, I would imagine even if you got it deeper, 
that dye would they wouldn't like it because it's blackened no. it out, doesn't it? Like you say, yeah, they won't, the fish won't like it. It's just it's just for a mirror pond. It's just if you don't have much room, that's when it's yeah. useful. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I think we've covered most things there. So um, anything else, Nikki, that you wanted to add? I mean, the, the, the sort of final tip, if you like. Don't hesitate in asking people. People like myself, well, I'm sure Rich is just the same. We love to help. You know, yeah, we love definitely. to give advice. Yeah, yeah. It costs nothing to give advice. And you don't realise how much you know until people ask you questions. So find people like me and just send emails. I mean, we all have websites and all contact you know, and, and yourself, Rod, just ask questions if you're worried. Yeah, gardeners, for me, are, are, are the most generous people. You know, I've never, well, very rarely come across, I mean, there's the odd gardening snobs, but I very rarely come across anybody that's not very generous with their experience and knowledge. I think they're naughtiest. I love it when you go to these uh, rare plant fairs and, and gardens, you'll find them with a pair of scissors and a plastic bag taking cuttings. I think that's when they're funniest. <laughs> Have you been to the same plant fairs as me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, yes. you were there with your scissors, Richard. It was you, Richard. You had the scissors. I saw you. <laughs> but no, it's, but, you know, we've had this horrendous pandemic. And I think, you know, go out there, have a go, dig a hole, shove the plant in, water it. You know, plants are so versatile and they're, they're very forgiving. And, and if it doesn't work there, move it to somewhere else in the garden the following year. I'm, I've had people, I've opened gardens in the past and, and I've had people admit they've, they've taken cuttings out of my garden and I never even spotted it. As you say, Rob, most are very generous. You just get the odd yeah. one, but that's that's the walk of yeah. life, isn't it? It is, isn't it? All right, well, listen, uh, what are we doing this uh, next week? What's What are the what are the jobs? Well, all, all the weeds are just starting to come. If you're, if, you're, if you're quick now, out with the hoe. Mind you don't catch all of your bulbs, though. There's quite a few, you know, your tulips will be up. There's yeah. loads of stuff. Fritillaries are coming up. Just be careful. But if you can just catch, I've, I've got loads of buttercups coming. Just get out there with the hoe and get catch them now. Yeah. And it, you save yourself so much. I'm halfway through the garden now with the weeding and uh, my goodness, yeah. it was a big, big job. And I needed that, you know, those stools that you have to, you can sit on one side and you take yeah, yeah, yeah. and kneel on the other. It's got to that now. But it's oh, no! <laughs> Uh, Richard? Um, yeah, again, you got to keep your eye on the weeds at the moment, but I always say little and often, and, and every time I go out, yeah. if I spot a weed that's irritating me, I've learned to live with some weeds. If I see one, I quickly whip it out as I'm walking past it, or yeah. I do that sort of thing. But the other thing that I am going to be doing this week is I've got some seedlings of uh, Eryngium bulgatii that I've grown, Ooh, and nice. they're into the second set of leaves now. I've also yep. got an echinacea called um, Bressingham Highbridge, you know, Bressingham Gardens. Yeah. Um, I actually grew the plant here, managed to get one last year and put it in here. And I noticed probably only a month ago that the seed head was pretty intact. And I thought, well, let's give it a go. So I, I got them and I've, I've got, I must have 50 little seedlings. So oh, really? I'm intending, yeah, they've come really, really well. And I'm intending to um, prick them out and put them into sort of a cell tray with and it's got a, a probably a two inch these you know deep cell trays and I'll yeah. get them into them to get that root zone going and to get that plant growing. So I've got I've got loads of those to be doing and exciting. Uh, far too many. But you talk about the hoeing there, uh, Nikki, and uh, and actually it's so important that isn't it? I mean I I I got quite lazy and I just would pull weeds you know and and use a little trowel 
and pull them back. But actually, just once a week, going over with the hoe, being careful not to damage, it just breaks that soil up, doesn't it? And and stop and saves you hours of work later on. I think so. I think so. Yeah. And also, you know, we had a lot of rain a while ago, so quite a lot of the soil has compacted. And yeah. it's this, mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can just break it up a little bit now, and, yeah. you know, I've done one garden, and it, it had it's it's heavy, so it's got huge clods. I can just tread on the clods and break it all down a bit, just make it a bit more friable and just makes the job easier when it comes. I mean, you know, we're coming into April, that's major, major weeding time. And if you can get on top just a week early, it makes such a difference. All right. Yeah. Um, well, I should, I've got hopefully um I, I'll get my scarifier working again, and that'll be my job next week, scarifying, aerating, and giving it its first cut. And uh Nikki, thanks. First cut, I'm on the third. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's always one, isn't there? <laughs> well, yeah. uh, Nikki, thank you very much indeed. It's been it's been fascinating. Yeah. Really enjoyed our chat tonight. Three gardeners just sat around chatting and uh, and brilliant. Nothing better. Well, thanks very much indeed to, to Richard Chuck, of course, uh, my partner in crime, and also to Nikki Applewhite, our guest this week from Applewhite Garden Design. And on next week on Loving Your Garden, uh, our guest is Martin Fish from Pots and Trowels, hugely knowledgeable and experienced gardener. So very much looking forward to chatting with Martin for episode four of Loving Your Garden next week. In the meantime, enjoy your gardening, loads to do. And don't forget, do get in touch if you've got any questions, uh, any advice you'd like. Um, if you want to do something with this podcast, you want us to do something with it to improve it, we'd love your suggestions. Do get in touch. Love to hear from you. And don't forget uh, to, to have a look at our Facebook group. It's called Loving Your Garden. You'll find it on Facebook easy enough. Uh, have a look. at If you like the look of us, uh, join us and be part of our very friendly community. It'd be lovely to have you.